Ever feel like life, family, and even church can get a little out of control? We're here to make real life simple. Welcome to the Rest of George podcast. My guest today on our podcast is Chris Hornbrook, and Chris is the campus lead pastor at Discovery Church in Simi Valley, which is a church that's part of real life, and we are just honored to have uh, Discovery with us, but also Chris with us today. And so uh, we're going to get into a lot of things about just discerning the will of God in your life, and Chris can certainly talk about that. But Chris, why don't we start off with just tell our listeners who you are and a little bit about your life, uh, you know, 90 seconds on Chris Hornbrook and the fact that you have like a jillion kids. So <laughs> give us the update. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Chris Hornbrook. Uh, I have an awesome wife, Lindsay. Um, we've got five little kids that are nine years and under, uh, so we're a little bit crazy uh, there. But uh, grew up in Indianapolis in an awesome church, Southside Indy, called uh, Mount Pleasant Christian Church, shaped by an incredible teacher, Reggie Epps, and uh, brought in the ministry and still my mentor for the last 20 years, R.D. Cogswell, um, and began, uh, uh, went to school, went to college to be a teacher and a coach at Indiana University. Uh, and um, Are you still a Hoosiers fan, by the way? Die hard. Man. Die hard. That's not, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, so was going to school to be a teacher and a coach, and uh, it was my sophomore year. Uh, I was serving, volunteering in the middle school ministry because that's where they needed help. Of course. And uh, my passion kind of lit when I began discipling about uh, five seventh grade guys. And uh, R.D. and Reggie sat down with me one day and said, have you ever considered going into ministry? And it was like at that moment, uh, just... I just somehow knew mm-hmm. this was be doing the rest of my life. So. Wow! So you started out doing that, and we'll just kind of walk through the progression, and then I want to drill down on on your decision making in the process. So that was a big decision for you to decide to leave, kind of your plan. Yeah. And at the time, playing baseball and right. your hopes to play, you know, in the big leagues, of course, right. as everybody's right. dreams are. Um, but so you you left that. You you went into you know prep for ministry. And then you got a job in ministry, and kind of walk us through those those stops along the way. Yeah, uh, so I'm playing baseball, living my dream, uh, playing college baseball. Uh, uh, just, but it was one of those things where I'd gone away uh, down in down to Southern Indiana in Indiana University Southeast, and was away from church family. was It was my first time away, and um, man, I really felt like my relationship with Christ was. Uh, just suffering because I wasn't plugged into the body. And um, I, I got to the point where I just, I've made some bad decisions. And by the end of my freshman year, I thought, man, I'm either going to pursue my dream for my life mm. uh, or I'm going to pursue God's dream for my for my life. And uh, I don't know why. It took me about three weeks of praying yeah. uh, and figuring out uh, that I wanted to pursue God's dream. but uh, Wait to see if God would change his mind. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> One of my buddies always says, Chris, God's idea of better is always better. And I just, mm. throughout my life and my walk, I've had to remind myself of that. That That's a great God's one. idea of better is always better. And so I uh, decided to pursue God's dream for my life and went back, got reconnected into uh, my home church, um, uh, started my sophomore year uh, in Indianapolis at IU's campus there, uh, just pursuing my teaching degree. And uh, yes, yeah, one thing led to another, and my 
decided to make the shift and uh, those guys were uh, Reggie and RD were amazing just saying hey you're too far along you're at the end of your sophomore year finish out your degree mm-hmm. uh, at IU do an internship learn with us and then we'll get you uh, started in seminary mm-hmm. at Cincinnati. And where did you go oh, at Cincinnati yep. okay that's great so you go to Cincinnati and then you graduate from there you went back to Mount Pleasant is that right yeah actually I was on staff at Mount Pleasant doing intensive work at Cincinnati I got you. an hour and a half away okay so yeah just doing that's right okay side. that's great so from there you get this idea that you're going to plant a church is that right, right. so walk us through that yeah um, man uh, this kind of crazy but my wife and I were just in one of the, at one of those points where uh, we were just in a dry spot in our relationship with the Lord. And um, it had nothing to do with ministry or anything like that. It was just, man, we are just longing uh, to just hear from God and experience God. And um, in a way that's hard to explain unless you've been there. Um, but we just said, let's just fast for a few days and pray together. And uh, on the third day of the fast, uh, God really burdened our heart for the people of Southern California. That's all we knew, mm. which didn't make any sense to us at the time because we'd never spent any time there, had no desire to go there. Being from Indiana, we always thought, you know, liberal Southern California. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, if I knew then what I know now, I would right. have definitely wanted to be there. Right. But, um, you know, it wasn't one of those things that we were just like, you know, I had some people joke, yeah, God didn't call you to burn your heart for the people in North Dakota, did he? You know? <laughs> but it really was one of those things that we really couldn't understand. And we just said, man, let's just, we have no idea what, God, why you put this, but we're going to trust one day you're going to show us. Right. And it was actually the next day I got an email from church planner named Vince Antonucci oh, yeah. in Virginia Beach. And uh, Vince had emailed me and said, hey, we're thinking about planting in Washington, D.C. Would you be interested in huh. talking about helping lead that? And... I said, bro, if you would have put this out three days ago, I would have loved to have heard about it. But just yesterday, God burned my wife and I's heart for people of Southern California, and we have no idea why. So we're just going to stay put and wait on God. And he emailed me back, I'll never forget, and he said, that's crazy because just yesterday, um, two guys told me they had been praying for a church planner in Southern California for about a year and a half and asked me if I knew of anyone, and I told him no. <laughs> and he said, is an organization called Stadia. Can I pass on your info? And I said, sure. And wow. next day Stadia called and landed on the ground out there about a year later. So, Okay, so we'll get back to that here in just a minute. But for those of, of our listeners who have no idea what it means to plant a church, um, I think there's an assumption out there that you build a building, you open the doors, and you immediately have hundreds of people. Right. Um, and I know when we opened our building here at Real Life, I mean, that was eight years ago, but we'd already been around for 10 years. And no one really knew it until the building was open and they thought, did you just start? No, actually, it's been going on for quite a while. Right. Planting is a, is a very difficult grind. And I often say it's a young man's game, um, which you were at the time <laughs> and still are to some degree. But just walk us through what has to happen for someone to plant a church. Oh, bro, I, I remember it like, I remember like it was yesterday, uh, talking to the stadia guys and going, okay, hold on. So you want me to move to a city I've never been in Mm -hmm. 
and within six months build a team of like 50 adults who are following Jesus but aren't necessarily connected to another local church. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Which is kind of an oxymoron to begin with. Right. <laughs> and I remember clear as day, I, he, he says, the, Bruce White, incredible man, he says, Chris, you pray harder than you've ever prayed, and you cast the vision that God's given you to everyone you come in contact with. And he goes, you watch God do the rest. And so literally... We began to pray harder than we've ever prayed. Mm-hmm. And everyone we met, we didn't have kids at the time, but we had a dog. So in dog parks, yeah. uh, at the mall, any restaurant we went to, anyone I met at Starbucks, we would just share the vision that God put on our heart uh, to start a church for people who don't attend church. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, and people started to invite other people, and I remember we decided to meet in a movie theater, and uh, I remember that first Sunday, I thought, I'm just going to stand in the front row and worship during the singing. And I stood there, and I'm just worshiping, and I remember praying right before I went up to speak, God, please, when I turn around, let there be people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Here and there just having a personal devotional time. Yeah, totally. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those things, bro, where just... God had to show up, yeah. But I knew God's heart was for the people, His children who didn't know Him yet, yeah. In that city, and um, oh man, and it was one of those things. The vision that He gave us was not just to plant one church, but to plant many churches throughout San Diego and the world. Mm. And uh, it, it just it was one of the most defining times of my life and my relationship with God. It just trusting him and trying not to get in the way so what happened when you turned around (laughs) there were actually people there (laughs) (laughs) more than just your wife (laughs) more than just my wife yep Uh, my mom was there um yeah we had about 175 people there that first day that's so great uh and uh of course a lot of those were well-wishers and we ended up at about 100 and uh then just began there uh, uh-huh. and man just getting to see God awaken people's hearts and getting to baptize people and I remember that first year it was like I was baptizing people I felt like every weekend and then mm. I think one of the coolest parts was by year two it was those people baptizing their friends and I wasn't mm. the one always in the baptistry and it was like oh man uh, That's so great. it's exciting so you literally built this thing with a vision in mind that God had given you to be a, you know, a church planning network in that community. Yep. And that just that begins to happen. Yeah. You get to see the vision become reality. It's like yeah. the fog is clearing, and then you feel like God's calling you elsewhere. Yeah. So tell us about that move. Yeah, that one's that that one was uh, that one stung. Um, when we first planted the church in San Diego, momentum. Um, we planted with the idea that every church we plant in San Diego, we're going to plant one globally as well. Mm. And so we got involved with amazing ministry down in the Dominican Republic, uh, plants churches called Go Ministries, and um, began sending teams down, began sending uh, funding down. And um, every year was was going down and taking people. And uh, the, mm. the seven, eight years in, began doing some training with uh, some of their pastors and church mm. planners down there. And um, we went on a sabbatical down there, and God just really uh, 
tore up my wife and I's heart. Just, mm. it was amazing what he was doing through the Dominican and Haitian people. And um, we came back from that with a sense that God was stern in us. But I'll be honest, I, my wife wanted to talk about it. And for about six months after that sabbatical, I, I, I just shut down. Mm. Um, I could not talk to her or process, uh, which was the first time in my life, definitely the first time in our marriage that I kind of shut down uh, with her because I think it was the first time I've ever been a little bit scared mm. of what God was stirring and calling me to do. Wow. And I think the reason was I just, I loved what he was doing so much in San Diego. Mm. Uh, I was, you know, I'd say it was my favorite church in the world my favorite city in the world mm-hmm. and some of my favorite people in the world. And I thought I'd be there my mm-hmm. whole life. And meanwhile, um, you know, at that same time, uh, you know, the first, gosh, eight years of momentum, we were bringing in our own residents, church planners, them being with us for a year. And then we were sending out 20 to 50 people with $200,000 each to go plant. And we had planted... Uh, four churches total and it hit me I'm like this is ludicrous that we're doing Mm. this on our own like surely God has put the same vision on other Mm -hmm. pastors hearts in San Diego so I just started calling other pastor friends in San Diego and going hey could I buy your lunch and let's get together and let me just share what God's been doing the last eight years and see if maybe Mm. he's doing the same thing in your heart and if we could get together and I remember I prayed for 10 pastors to come to that first lunch and 27 pastors showed up wow. and I was shocked. And then the second lunch, uh, 43 pastors from San Diego mm. showed up and there was so much excitement and um, and it was right in the in between those lunches when I got a phone call from Brooke Rothman, the president of Go Ministries. And he just said, hey, it's, he accidentally called me. He lives in the East Coast. So he accidentally called me at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning mm. uh, because of the time change. And uh, I let it go to voicemail. Yep. <laughs> and then called him back at about 6.30 in the morning. And um, he just said, hey, God's put on my heart to just to ask, you know, would you and your family pray about moving down to the Dominican and helping us l- launch an intentional church planting movement? Mm. He said, God's put a dream on our guys' hearts to plant a thousand churches in the next 10 years. Wow. And um, it was one of those things, as soon as he said it, it was another one of those kind of Vince Antonucci moments where I just knew. Mm. And then Reggie moments where I just, I knew that this is, I just, I knew this is the next step God was asking wow. us to take. But then he just kept confirming it and confirming it and confirming it. So so you pack up the family. At this point, you have five we kids? We have five kids. Okay. And you yeah. moved to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Okay. And this is not a resort. Yeah, no. You're not <laughs> at Sandals. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, this is doing mission work, and you are helping plant churches down there. Yeah. Your wife is homeschooling. Yeah. Um, some days has electricity. Some days doesn't. Okay. Some days water. Some days doesn't. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this was a complete shift for our whole family. Okay. Now, just as a side note, I remember you told me this, and I thought this was fascinating. It has nothing to do with ministry. But you're working all day, and your wife is homeschooling all day, and you told me you gained a bunch of weight when yeah. you were down the Dominican. Yeah. And my first thought was, well, of course, you're eating rice and beans all the time. Yeah, okay? no. Okay. 
And and you said no because you went out to eat. And where did you go? Yeah, this is bad. I'm like, only an American can go to a third world country and gain 45 pounds. But that's what I did. Uh, yeah, it, my wife has always like been, you know, organic, non-GMO, cooking at home for us, right. keeping us healthy. And, she, you know, she's in 95 to 100 degree weather every day with our kids and no air conditioning. And so by five o'clock rolls around, she's like, I am way too hot and way too tired to cook. So we went to Domino's Pizza. <laughs> in fact, it, to this day, if I see Domino's, I start dry heaving because we ate it so much when we were down there. So much. That's, you go to the Dominican and you put on 45 pounds from Domino's. Yep, yep. Boy, Bad news. Their arm has no limit. Uh, okay, so you're down there and you're there for over a year doing great work and yet... Now you sense another call yeah. of God on your life to come back to the States. And that's kind of where our story intersects. Yeah. Again, even though we had met years before, talk about the decision. Because I think this is where a lot of our listeners you know, get a little confused of if it's God's call, then it must be God's call for a lifetime. Yep. Or it must be you know, God's call for at least a long time right. to legitimize the fact that it was a call. Otherwise, it looks like you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. So... You, you make the decision to come back. Um, talk us through that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great point. And I think I I've personally have struggled with that. Mm. My pride has struggled with that. Because mm. uh, I think I was brought up and I think we're sort of either intentionally or unintentionally taught that longevity mm -hmm. is more spiritual. Right. And in fact, I, I had a guy uh, that I love and that, you know, I'm close to that told me, I told you so when mm. I got back from the Dominican. And um, man, I struggled with that because, um, and, and I think my anchor has always been God's word going, oh man, if that's the case, Paul's, the apostle Paul's not very spiritual. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, he was at a place for a year or right. months or two years and he was a starter, you know? Right. And, um, and, uh, and <laughs> I, I struggled with that, but you know, I, I knew going down to the Dominican that it wasn't a long-term move because one of the things I loved about Go and that reason we got involved with Go is because Go is all about equipping local leaders and mm -hmm. equipping nationals. And so I knew my role was not to go down and plant a bunch of churches. My job was to go down and create movement leaders and network leaders that would lead others to plant these mm -hmm. thousand churches. And it took off quicker than I thought. And, um, you know, a year and a half in to that 10-year movement, uh, those guys have planted 62 churches. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving next week to go down and help with a big church planning assessment where we're assessing 20 new Dominican couples mm -hmm. uh, to plant the next 20 churches in the next few months. And it's like this thing has taken off. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, two Dominican leaders, Isaias and Pastor Elvis, that are leading this movement. And it's, uh, it is just, it's going like crazy. And so, you know, I, I think at the, towards the end of that first year, it was like, man, this is, I felt like it was one of those things where number one, uh, I loved equipping the Dominican and Haitian pastors. Um, I loved getting to be a part of that. I learned so much from those guys, but I missed being a pastor myself. I just mm. missed leading in the local church. 
And um, so I talked to Brooke and I just said, hey man, uh, what would it look like for me to still be involved with this church planning movement, mm-hmm. but from more of a you know a key volunteer perspective while I lead in a local church? Mm-hmm. And um, you know he was totally supportive of that. And so uh, yeah, it just began the process of going, okay, God, what mm-hmm. what's next for our family? Okay, so you move back here. Um, for the sake of time, we won't go into all the details, but you end up, you know, pursuing Discovery Church, and it just kind of works together in an unbelievable God way mm. of, you know, us crossing paths again and working together. And to quote a friend of ours, he said, you know, there's something about Chris when he says, I think God told me so, you believe him. <laughs> because he really does know what God's telling him to do. Now, for our listeners... Help us understand that a little bit, because I think there's a lot of us that we think, I've got to hear an audible voice. Yeah, I've got to have a writing on the wall kind of moment, you know, a go ye therefore Moses kind of moment, you yeah. know. And it doesn't really happen that way. How do you know you're really hearing from God mm. versus it's just your own idea you're stamping God's name to, or maybe you just had a, a spiritual experience yeah. and then you feel different the next day. You made some major life moves. Um, were there some key things that were intricate in every single one of them and that just seemed to be the way you hear God? Yeah, you know, um, like I said, I, I grew up in a church with just an incredible teacher, an incredible preacher of God's Word. I uh, just taught God's Word so well. And um, I remember every week walking into the worship center there and there was a, a wood a, a carved wood sign hanging above the door where you walk in and it was John 10 27 it said my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me and I did not understand that the first time I walked in or the 40th time I walked mm-hmm. in but there was something about that that word from Jesus that just made me go I want to know his voice and I want to follow him mm-hmm. for my life I want to follow him. Mm. And so all the decisions I've ever made have really just been, the heart of it is, I, I just want to follow Jesus. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, learning the Father's voice from learning the Word of God. And, um, and I, I think learning the Word of God through Reggie's teaching, but then also from my mentor RD teaching me how to feed myself. I, I mean, I remember my first someone got me a life application study Bible and I wore that thing out, like mm-hmm. just wore it out more than any other Bible I've ever had. And because I just wanted to know the Father's voice because I wanted to follow him. And, um, and so I began just through his word to learn what his voice sounded like. Um, but then at some point, maybe 10 years or so ago in my life, I, I realized that my prayer life was a one-way conversation with God. <laughs> and that I knew how to hear His voice through the Word, but I'd never really been taught how to stop and listen to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. uh, in my prayer time. Mm-hmm. And so I just went on this journey of learning how to be still and listen in my prayer time. and. I began to be able to recognize uh, the voice of my Heavenly Father. Mm. Um, and I feel like 
it, it really did change everything for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember a, um, a turning point for me uh, was sitting in the corner, uh, literally uh, in the corner of this cage, this octagon. Um, so my full-time job is I'm a pastor. My part-time job is I'm a licensed cornerman for a mixed martial arts fighter. Uh, and so I'm sitting in this arena with 18,000 people screaming. My buddy, a guy I discipled named Phil Davis, is fighting in the main event. And it's my first time cornering him. And he's on the other side of the cage. And his coach sitting right next to me is literally like calling out the shots like, one, two, look, and, and Phil on the other side of the cage is somehow able to hear his coach's voice and he was doing everything he said. Like, and up to that point, honestly, I just thought when you got in a cage, you just fought and it was just, well, it sure, was a ride. that's what it looks like. And it's just not that, that his coach is sitting there calling out the shots and he's listening. There's 18,000 screaming fans in the SAP Center in San Jose. So he wins the fight wins a belt and we're back in the locker room and I'm like, bro, I, I'm like, this is my first, I'm shocked. Like you could hear your coach's voice, couldn't you? I'm like, how do you pick out his voice? And he goes, it's interesting. He goes over the years, I've learned to train my ear to shut out everyone else's voice except for his. And I had one of those moments where I'm like, I seriously, the next morning, I quite time like, Lord, Teach me, please teach me how to shut out everyone else's voice except for yours and to run your play in my life. And so I feel like, um, man, you know, it's one of those things, too, just going on a journey, that passage in Galatians 5, uh, verse 25, that talks about if we are going to, you know, live according to the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Holy Mm. Spirit. And so for me... Uh, everything is grounded in the Word of God. That's where I learned what the Father's voice sounded like. Right. But then I had to learn how to just to be quiet and just to listen. And I can, I've started now, and it's taken me decades, but I've started now to be able to recognize most of the time, not all the time, I make mistakes and screw up, but I can recognize now most of the time what's me yeah. and what's the Holy Spirit prompting me. Don't you find that... For those of us trying to hear from God, we're waiting for the big command. Yeah. When really we got enough of the little commands, mm. like uh, you're in the grocery store or the grocery parking lot and someone's done with their cart. I can take that in. Yeah. I can pick up that trash. I can help that lady get something off the top shelf. Yeah. I can, you know, it's all the little yeses mm. that I've just noticed in my life. If I do those, it makes the bigger comments easier to hear. Have you experienced totally, that? man. Totally. I'll tell you, especially in those promptings where maybe I'm driving or I'm out on a walk and um, I just feel this prompting of like, hey, call this person uh-huh. or uh-huh. pray for this person. Right. And and when I do follow through on that, those little things, it's like, man, eight times out of ten, it's like, hold on, have we talked? Like, right. how'd you know you need to be praying for me? You know, right. sometimes it's like, you know, oh, thanks for praying for me. I have no idea why right. God would have put that on your heart. But yeah, man, I feel like 
it, it's just the little steps of obedience. Mm. That's so good. Well, Chris, this has been fantastic. Um, I want to wrap up our time by saying a couple things. First of all, I'm praying that God does not speak to you anytime soon and moves you away because <laughs> we love what you're doing at Discovery. Oh, thanks, bro. And you are such a huge blessing to our team around here and just love being in partnership with you and in ministry together. Likewise. Um, but the second thing is we, we end our time together with the William Vanderbloom and uh, top three questions, um, which are um, what's the a book you've been reading, an app you've been using, and a stage faux pas. Yes. So I will leave you to the first one. All right. What's a book you've been reading or one you've read you recommend? Yeah, I, uh, a book that I've been rereading recently uh, is a book called Exponential by mm-hmm. Dave Ferguson and Todd Wilson. Um, man, just at a place where uh, I feel like in, in our church, the need to have a leadership pipeline and leaders mm. who reproduce leaders, disciples who make disciples. Right. And the book is just so incredibly practical. Mm-hmm. And I need, <laughs> I live in the clouds, bro, so I need practical. <laughs> and it's so practical and so applicable um, that for me, I'm rereading that. And, That's uh, good. I, I love it. Okay. What's an app you enjoy? So an app um, is that I just got turned on to a few weeks ago that's changed my life one email at a time is uh, an email app called Spark. And I love it because um, I, I have a little bit of OCD. Okay. So when I have to-do lists, mm-hmm. I've got to clear them off. You know what I mean? Day by day. Absolutely. And so for me, um, I've got to clear my email inbox by the end of the day. I agree. And this is so easy to use. It's so intuitive. But you can snooze emails. So mm. if I'm like, I cannot deal with that until next week, then I just swipe over, snooze it until next week, and it's out of my inbox until next week. Wow, that's and, good. Or tomorrow or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then it, it works in conjunction with another app I love called Todoist, which is a to-do list. Um, and so I can literally shove emails over to my to-do list. Oh, that's nice. It's awesome. I love it. That's a good one. Okay, stage faux pas. Okay, stage faux pas. Uh, this is a little dangerous, but uh, I was leading a college ministry uh, probably about 15 years ago, just been married, uh, we were wanting to have kids, so I had been reading about the development of a child in the womb, and I was preaching on just being in awe of God's creation and seeing God in His creation. So I'm going through in detail about um, what happens in the development of a womb. These neurons are forming in the brain, and you know, then the eyelids. You know, I mean, what happens with those are incredible, and. You know, just all this stuff. And I stop. And what I think is going to be this big, like, ah, aha moment. And I go, so you're going to try and tell me that that came from a big bang? And I just stopped to let it, like, sit, you know. And one of the guys in the back, there's about 400 college students in there. And he goes, ha! And he yells out, big bang! Oh, and my goodness. I was like, why did he just yell that? And everyone lost it. And so, yes, the baby in the womb does, in fact. <laughs> well, anyway, enough said. So, 
Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, well, you know, you're with college students, so all is forgiven, right? Yeah, that's right. Junior high, high school, college. (laughs) That always works. Well, man, it has been such a joy uh, to have you here and for uh, us to get to hear from you. And for those of you that live in the Simi Valley area, check out Discovery Church at your new service times, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Yes. Uh, Two locations on campus, so... Right there on Easy Street. Yep. Uh, it's a great, great venue, and Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you would take a moment and share this with somebody who might benefit from it, and if you have even more time, sit down and write a review on this on iTunes. It really does help a lot. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next month.